Hey, welcome to another mile post here in the V-Twin Life. V-Twin Life is brought to you by a few great companies. One being Crash Ink Clothing. You can find them out of Oregon. Great company, specialized in clothes, doing work on bikes now. You can check them out at CrashInClothing.com. They got a lot of great stuff. Hey, head on over there. Maybe they got something you like. And we can't forget, wild ass. You like pounding miles, you like riding, you want to be in comfort? Hey, maybe strap a wild ass under your ass and ride with an air cushion and be comfortable for hours. And can't forget Custom Dynamics, leading the industry in lighting LED technology. Man, these guys got some great stuff. So head on over to Custom Dynamics and check it out. Now, let's get to another mile post of the V-Twin Life. What is going on, everybody? So we are pre-recording this one because we're coming into a holiday weekend and Plus, you know, trying to get scheduled to line up with guests that we come on. So we're doing this a little early. This will premiere for all you guys who are going to be watching this today. We'll just say today because it's going to be Sunday when this comes out of, at 5 o'clock. So long haul, Paul. You know, we have a couple mutual friends. I followed his journey for a little while, and it's awesome to uh, get guests that come on that also are riding for a cause and riding for a reason. And, man, long haul, Paul has logged some serious miles on two wheels and has some great stories to share and is an awesome guest to have on. I'm honored. So, Hey, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on and share some adventures of uh long haul Paul. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, I look forward to, uh, to chatting and, and talking about what I'm doing and uh, saying hello to everybody out there. And um Seeing that we're pre-recorded, I can probably guess the lottery numbers for tomorrow, right? Is that how that works? There we go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 7, yeah. 3, 15, 21, 64, and the, uh, the Powerball is going to be 12. So. There you have it. So uh, jump on those tickets and uh, retire. <laughs> so, hey, well, let's kind of dive into this where, you know, the part where I love to start with all the guests is where did you find life on two wheels? Where did I find life on two wheels? Well, um, I didn't really start riding motorcycles until I was in my early 20s. I didn't grow up on dirt bikes. Um, you know, one, a kid in the neighborhood or one of my cousins might have had a little mini bike, pull stop mini bikes, but um, I never had a dirt bike. I never, I never um, did any of that type of stuff, uh, which is probably a good idea because when I had my first few cars, um, uh, I was a little reckless, <laughs> to say the least, in high school. Um, crashed quite a few cars. I mean, we used to jump bridges and stuff like that, Dukes of Hazard style. So uh, kind of glad I didn't have a motorcycle until I was, um, uh, like I said, I think I was 21. Uh, my first motorcycle uh, was a CB554 uh, Honda. And um, the only reason I got it was because uh, a guy I worked with had owed me $50 for about two months. And finally, he said, uh, I can't pay you, but I can give you this beat-up motorcycle that hasn't run in 10 years. And uh, that was my first bike. So um, I started, like I said, I was, I think, 21, 20, yeah, about 20 or 21. And um, I didn't really start riding uh, what I consider riding today uh, until I was in my mid-20s. <clears throat> um, actually, um, I started riding um, – 
maybe about 25 or so, I, I, had, I had bought a couple touring bikes and I, I joined a Goldwing club. So picture a 25-year-old guy showing up at a, um, at a, at a Goldwing meeting with everybody there was twice my age plus. And, um, but it was a good start. It, I, I, you know, I learned about traveling. I learned about touring. Uh, quickly outgrew um, the um, the older crowd and uh, also the the Goldwing. I uh, just found myself out riding it and I uh, rode BMWs for a while. Joined a BMW club up here in New England. Um, <clears throat> again, started to started to learn to ride a little bit harder, uh, farther, and that type of thing. Um, it was actually uh, during my first marriage and my um, subsequent um, failed marriage, divorce, uh, custody ordeal, where I really began to, to, um, to pile on the miles. And it was, it was then that I <clears throat> really realized um, how long distance riding was, was really um, some, some uh, therapy for me, therapeutic. Um, and I will say on more than one occasion, it probably kept me from uh, going to prison. Um, <clears throat> My ex-wife and I would have arguments and fights and I would just get on a bike and I would just ride and I would ride until um, I felt like I could come home. And um, those those rides get longer and longer and longer. And often I'd find myself um, riding, you know, to Chicago, turning around and coming back and making it just in time for work the next morning. Um, <clears throat> but those those early years um, on the bike really taught me about um, the therapy that uh, the two wheel life uh, could bring. And um, I started, you know, I joined up, I found the Iron Butt Association and um, my first ever uh, event that I ever entered in, a, in a long distance rallies was the, um, the Butt Light, <clears throat> which is a, a mini version of the Iron Butt Rally, which was uh, at the time a seven day, 7,000 mile rally. Um, I entered that and then, um, I began entering a lot more of the 24-hour rallies and um, weekend rallies, uh, basically scavenger hunts um, on steroids is what they are. And uh, luckily enough, um, <laughs> actually, maybe not lucky uh, enough, <laughs> I entered, I was, uh, my entry was accepted into the 2001 um, Iron Butt Rally, which is really the uh, uh, the Super Bowl of long distance riding. Um, <clears throat> and, um, I did manage to finish the, uh, the 2001 iron butt, um, riding a Russian Ural, uh, which was probably not the s safest bet for a long distance <laughs> endurance motorcycle. Um, but that ride in 2001 really, um, set the stage for the rest of my life. Um, <clears throat> I broke down 47 times in 11 days. <laughs> I went through three engines. I built push rods in a hardware store. I JB welded a push rod together um, to get me into a town where I could make, make better repairs. So um, it was, it was quite an experience. And um, today, as I travel the country speaking to, um, other people that live with chronic illness or um, uh, disease. Um, I talk about that ride. I talk about entering the world's toughest motorcycle competition on quite possibly the world's biggest piece of shit motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing stories about that because Go Home Ken was also telling me we were chatting a while back because I probably talked at least once a month, 
excuse me, once a month. And he was giving me that story. I'm like, dear God, building push rods in a hardware store. And, you know, of all bikes, a, a Ural that's, you know, based on technology from damn near 100 years ago. Quite, quite a few. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't actually want to ride the rally on a Ural, but um, there was no other way I could get in the rally. I, I, I wasn't accepted in the first draw. And um, I figured if I offered to ride the most ridiculous motorcycle um, that they would let me in. And of course they did. Uh, they thought I was an idiot. And so did all the other <laughs> riders. Um, some of the riders were actually angry at me because I had taken away a coveted spot that, you know, a real rider could have occupied. You know, I was taking away somebody's chance at, at riding the, uh, the iron butt. There was back then, I think we had a hundred riders and, um, you know, there was a couple thousand people that would, uh, send in their entries. So very few people got picked. And, you know, when they pick somebody that everybody thinks isn't going to even make it to the first checkpoint, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of people that were upset that I was you know just clowning around with um with a serious serious uh, <laughs> motorcycle event. So <clears throat> um, I also didn't own a Ural when I made the offer. Um, I'd actually never even seen one. <laughs> um, I just knew that they were not known to be reliable. So um, I just figured it would be a good bet. And when they accepted my offer, I had to go out and find one. And um, I think I destroyed the transmission just on the ride home from buying it. Um, <laughs> the, tr the transmission on that thing was so clunky. It had a heel toe shifter. And you had to literally stand on the heel part to get it to go up into gear. You had to jam on it. <laughs> um, but like everything else on that bike... Um, the shifter, that's all adjustable, and I didn't realize it at the time, but you can adjust that so it's not as crunchy and, and that type of thing. Um, you know, they really were made to be ridden out in the fields at 30 miles an hour and plucking along, and you can fix it with sticks and rocks, which is, you know, kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> but, yes, it was a primitive machine, and um, I was uh, up against, uh, you know, the latest and greatest BMWs, Goldwings, Ducatis, all kinds of um, gadgets and tens of thousands of dollars worth of motorcycles. And I was riding a bike that had drum brakes in the front and rear <laughs> <laughs> points and condenser <laughs> kickstart only. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was a challenge, but um, that challenge um, 20 some odd years ago uh, has also allowed me to take on challenges today that um, <clears throat> maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing. So, um, I credit that ride, riding that, that Ural, um, with a lot of things in my life and, and, and teaching me that, um, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't win the rally, but I did finish. I came in 86th out of a hundred and, um, uh, but it taught me you don't have to come in first place to still be a winner. Um, I felt like I won that rally. I felt like, um, <clears throat> I had overcome so much that, that, uh, you know, that was a win for me. And, um, absolutely. I mean, just being accepted into the iron, Butt rally is, is something to be said on its own, just being able even to compete at that level and, and join, you know, that that's an elite class of riders. And, you know, I, I that's freaking amazing. It's on its own. And then to, you know, take the adventure that you decided I'm going to try this is, 
man, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, I went 400 miles before I blew up the first engine. <laughs> uh, I was actually officially sponsored by Ural, and uh, they just said, well, we're going to help you out, but you just can't tell anyone because we don't think our bike's going to finish. <laughs> but it was, oh, it was good, awesome. and, um, you know, that story, it's funny because two years later, the Iron Butts run every, every two years, and two years later... Um, because I was a finisher, uh, I was able to get in, get a slot for the 2003 Iron Butt Rally. And this time, I didn't ride a Euro. I rode a, um, a well-equipped BMW. And um, I was in the top two or three riders almost the entire uh, 11 days towards the end. Um, I had some issues, which uh, we'll talk about in a second. But I still managed a top 10 finish. And not a single person I ever meet remembers that I was a top 10 finisher of the Iron Butt. They all go, you're the guy that glued that push rod back together in a dirt park. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> hey, the thing to build memories, you know, people remember. It's, it's the crazy stuff. Well, you know, one of the funniest stories, and we, we were talking about this um, before, we, before we clicked on, is um, – uh, the amount of people that are out there willing to help you, strangers. And um, during that Iron Butt rally on the Ural, um, I had broken down. So I blew the engine 400 miles. I was towed um, to a Ural dealer uh, 400 miles away. I'm sorry, 200 miles away. And um, the Ural dealer didn't have any bikes in stock, but he had his own personal bike. And he took the motor out of his bike and put it in mine in the middle of the night so I could finish, um, continue on to the next leg of the rally, which is incredible. The next I think even morning, finding a Ural dealership is <laughs> incredible on its own. Yeah, yeah, I think it's better now. But back then, it certainly was, um, <clears throat> you know, mom and pop who it was a side business and they usually just had some brochures in their in their garage that they would show you. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, that night, um, I spent four hours trying to kickstart the bike. It wouldn't start. Um, I had all kinds of electrical problems. Uh, the next morning um, in Arkansas, I, uh, I had to get off. I crashed on the highway. Um, something in the steering was um, messed up, and uh, the bike went into a tank slapper and threw me off and uh, slid down the highway. And I don't know if you've ever seen a, a Russian Ural tank sideways sliding down the highway but it creates quite a bit of bright colorful sparks unlike you know <laughs> like the japanese bikes all made of plastic don't don't do that so quite a sight um but anyway there i am on the side of the highway uh i've had a blown engine i've had electrical problems hours and hours trying to kickstart the bike i had no rear lights the bike is now all banged up the windshield's cracked the the, the uh Handlebars are bent. The saddlebags are all scraped up. There's a hole in the engine side case, uh, oil all over the road. And uh, the Arkansas State Trooper looks at me and he says, um, well, what are you going to do about it? And I says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, why don't you see if you can fix it up and, and, get, and continue on your ride? And I'll tell you, at that point, that thought had not occurred to me. <laughs> I was ready to go home. It was 24 hours. That was the first 24 hours of an 11-day event. Um, he waited. 
that that office awaited while I patched everything up. I duct taped. I JB welded the side of the engine case. Um, and I said, you know, I said, I, I don't really even want to start the bike. There's no oil in it. All the oil is right here on the ground. It only held two quarts of oil. I said, um, we, you know, I need some oil. Maybe we can get a tow truck to meet us up here on the highway. Bring us some oil. I don't, I don't care, you know, what it costs. He goes back to his cruise and comes back. It was about 10 minutes. And I said, geez, what, you know, what took so long? And I said, are they going to bring some oil? He says, nope. He says, they wanted too much money. And I said, you don't understand. I, I don't care what it costs. This is, I never thought I'd be able to get this back together. And he says, no, 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 son, don't, don't you worry. He says, uh, I called my wife at home and she's going to go to the store and get two quarts of 2050 oil. And she's going to meet us up here on the highway. <laughs> and, uh, and she did. And, you know, that's amazing. If you think about, you know, uh, helping a stranger like that, just because you like a story and, and, um, uh, it, it's amazing, but, um, that kind of help I've, I've, I've had more than once. Um, as I travel the country now, um, I'm on the road 100, 120 nights a year, 50 to 80,000 miles. I'm traveling by motorcycle as I, um, as I'm chasing the cure, uh, for multiple sclerosis. And I've run into people, um, not that I have lots of problems breaking down, but there's always people willing to help offering help. Um, and, and it's amazing. Um, the world is a lot, um, gentler than uh the news would have you believe i'll tell you that <laughs> well and you know and, and it's also i mean i've you know circumstance one time I, I broke down on a trip <clears throat> at the base of the cascades and a friend of mine took off god it must have been he probably did a 200 mile round trip to go get a new regulator and i'm sitting at the gas station you know this older gentleman pulls in, he's like what's going on you know you know i just you know broke down you know told him what's going on he's like hey i got my road king at home he goes i i'll go pull the part off if you need it. i'm like hey thank you but you know no i got a buddy he's on his way back from yakima we, we got the part coming but you know thank you and it's those kind of people you meet on the side of the road or you know a gas station whether you're on a motorcycle where they see the motorcycle maybe there's some sticker that sparks something to them and you know how many gas fill-ups have you had instead of being two minutes at a gas station or five ten fifteen twenty minutes because you're you're hearing stories from you know, a fellow rider, maybe he doesn't ride anymore, but he did that your bike or something, you know, what you're doing sparked a memory and you just built a friendship with a personal stranger that you've never met before, but you, you now just gained a friend in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, my, my bike has some decals on it talking about what I'm doing, um, which I guess we should probably mention at some point. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> That rally back in 2003, it was right smack dab in the middle of that Iron Butt rally that I uh, started to experience some neurolog neurological issues. Um, at the time, I was going through a, a lot. First of all, um, I'm in first, second, or third place in the world's toughest motorcycle competition. So I'm riding hard. I'm in the middle of a custody issue. I get a phone call from my attorney who tells me, the judge just ruled and I'm getting full custody of my children. Uh, I had that emotional um, bombshell dropped on me. Uh, I was riding, you know, the ride of my life. I was having, um, um, I had hit a pothole in, in uh, 
in Nevada so hard that it dented both sides of my rim. So my bike was vibrating like, uh, like crazy. And, um, I was riding, uh, let's say, you know, very long days in the saddle, um, trying to keep my podium finish. And, um, all of a sudden, uh, getting to the third checkpoint, um, both my arms were numb and I, I couldn't move my, my hands Well, they moved, but I couldn't feel anything. Uh, I was having cognitive issues where I couldn't remember anything I had done the day before, where I had gone, what bonuses I had, um, I had, uh, tried to go to or, or achieved. Um, when I had signed into the third checkpoint, um, I couldn't write my name and I couldn't, I couldn't speak. And the rally staff just looked at me and, and knew that I was beyond um, tired. And they recognized it, sent me to my hotel room and said, don't bother showing up for the mandatory meeting in the more uh, that evening. They said, get some sleep. We'll see you in the morning. Don't even show up. And, um, <clears throat> I got, I got, I had, I had uh, booked a room to share with a friend of mine. And, um, I thought, I hope, you know, hope sleeping it off would help. But in the morning I woke up and I was still a mess. Um, uh, I went and got the bonus sheet for the next leg and, uh, it might've been, might as well have been in Latin. I, I couldn't read it. I couldn't understand it. Nothing made sense. I was really scared. Like something was wrong with my brain and, you know, my arms were still numb and tingly. And, um, I went out in the parking lot and I, I don't know where my motorcycle was. I couldn't find it. Um, I had brought it across the street at a dealer where I was getting tires done, but I didn't, I had no recollection of that. Um, so I finally get the bike and I take off and I, I think they put the wheels on backwards or something because everything feels wrong. My hands don't, they're not working with the bike and something's and and I just, something was really wrong. And, um, I, I kind of, um, made my way through the rest of the rally, the, the remaining three or four days, but I, I wasn't, I had lost my competition. I, I, I was just trying to finish at this point. Um, I thought I had just emotionally just um, between the, the, the custody issue and, and just riding harder than I've ever ridden before. I think I had just blown a gasket or something was, something was amiss and I didn't feel right. My body was, was messed up and I was a little scared and I just figured I just got to, just got to get through it, finish it. And this is probably my last event because I've got to be a dad to two, two kids and, uh, on my own. So I just kind of knew I had to finish and, and, and make it through and, and deal with the rest later. So, um, I finished, you know, I came in ninth place, which was still, you know, pretty damn good, but, uh, it was about a year later, about a year later was when, um, when my symptoms really hadn't got much better and I was experiencing a lot more memory issues, um, I couldn't, uh, I'd order a pizza at my house and they said, all right, what's the address? And I couldn't answer that. I, I'd be looking for mail on my counter to, to recite my address because right at that moment, I didn't know where I lived. I didn't know my address. Uh, I'd leave the, the driveway to go to work and I'd look left and I'd look right and neither way seemed right. I didn't know which way it was to go to work. 
and I've been working the same place for 15 years. So uh, it was just my brain just wasn't working right. And I still had numbness in my hands and I started having little weird things with my legs. And uh, I eventually um, it got bad enough that um, I decided to figure out what the hell is wrong with me. I was so worried that uh, I had something bad enough that my ex-wife would fight me and get the kids back. And that was what I feared the most is that whatever was wrong with me was going to be another weapon used against me um, to take the kids away from me. And um, it actually was in the end, but it didn't, it didn't work. But anyway, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in uh, 2005 and, um, <clears throat> and I've been living with multiple sclerosis since. So it's been uh, going on 18 years that um, since I was diagnosed and it's a pretty tough um, diagnosis when you're in your thirties and um, you're a dad with two kids and you, you know, you're, you're working uh, 60 hours a week and you're trying to make ends meet and take care of a family. And you find out you've got a disease that has no cure. And, and people that I knew uh, in those days um, who had MS were all in wheelchairs. Um, they were disabled. They were not functioning the same as everybody else. And I, figured that was what was going to happen to me. And I kind of, you know, uh, pitied myself and, 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 and got into a depression. And, you know, I sold my, I had a little business. I sold my business thinking I'm not going to be able to do anything. Um, I just kind of prepared for the, for the worst. Um, I did go on treatment. I did go on a disease modifying treatment that slows the progression. And I started to, you know, work out and take care of myself and watch what I'm eating and things like that. And um, seven years went by, and and um, my disease didn't get any worse. The progression seemed to be slowed down enough that um, what little what little things uh, affected me, they weren't life changing, and I was still able to work, and I was still able to do things. And um, one of the things that I had also done when I was diagnosed is I gave up riding. Uh, I figured I was done. I'd done some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I've ridden two iron butts. I, I've got, you know, a wall of trophies from, from long distance rallies and rides. And I, and I, I knew that I had done things that other people um, hadn't been able to. So I was okay with selling the bikes and, um, you know, knowing that I probably would never ride a motorcycle again. Well, after the seven years went by, I said, shit, you know, I said, I think, uh, I think I can still ride, you know, I think, um, I probably can't compete because I, I definitely have issues with the cognition and um, you know, I need two GPSs just to get out of a Walmart parking lot and I still don't trust them. And I end up doing a couple of circles around and like, wait a minute, is this the exit or is this the way I just tried and thought it was the exit or not? You know, um, people watch my tracker and call me up on, on the phone and say, Hey Paul, I just seen you went around Washington DC three times. What are you lost? No, I'm not lost. Of course I'm lost. Because <laughs> the same exit looks like the exit that I didn't choose the last time, even though I chose it. So um, it's, it's, a bit of, um, it's a bit of issue with the RAM memory. So I still have, you know, I still have my, my uh, hard drive is still there, but the RAM memory is, is uh, messed up. And so I have a hard time pulling things out at the right time. Um, if we're talking about 
you know, making soup. And then you say, hey, Paul, you ride a motorcycle a lot. Which side of the handlebars is the front brake on? I probably will hesitate enough that you'll say, you've never ridden a motorcycle, have you? <laughs> but yet I ride every day. <laughs> um, it's because I just can't, I can't trust my brain to know. I certainly, my body knows where it is. Otherwise, I'd be, uh, I'd be in a heap of trouble. But, um, but yeah, certain things I just have trouble um, picking out the answer from the right spot at the right time. Um, and that's that's my biggest um, issue with multiple sclerosis. I have some, I do have some weakness in my legs and 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 hands and. Um, uh, I have some bladder issues, and, and uh, I have a trick bladder, which is a lot of fun when you're traveling with them at, with, uh, <laughs> on a motorcycle with all your gear on, and you know you you make a mad dash to the men's and ladies' room, and uh, you do your business, you get back on the bike, and all of a sudden you feel like you have to go so bad you can't you can't wait to get back in the gas station, and you're like, I just went, how can this be possible? And uh, so my bladder lies to me and um, sometimes, you know, nothing comes out or sometimes I really do have to go again. I don't know why. And then um, so it's it's uh, it's fun. And um, I've got a system down, Pat. So if you see me pulling up to a gas pump, get out of my way because I'm going to mad dash <laughs> right into the bathroom. And, and if it's being used, I'll be in the ladies room. I'll be uh, behind the building because um, there are times when it is. Uh, absolute emergency and um you know so anyway i've learned to deal with it um i use a lot of technology when i ride i do travel all across the country but i have two gps's going i have notes um i keep track of things uh and i have everything in the same place on my motorcycle i have pat i use um routines on a regular basis so everything that i do um at night or in the morning if you move my toothbrush from where it is I'll never brush my teeth again. I'll completely forget that that was something I was supposed to do if it's not in order where I put it in the morning. Um, Muscle memory. Yeah, it just um, – because otherwise it would just drive me crazy and I would get extremely fatigued with trying to remember these things. I posted um, yesterday or the day before my my, – I have a 2021 Yamaha uh, Tenere 700. And um, I posted my mileage on the uh, European web, European site um, in kilometers, of course. So I've got 200, and, I had 230,000 kilometers on a, on a two-year-old bike. And I posted it and um, next to my uh, dashboard at the bottom is um, a little sticky or uh, label I put down and it, it has my tire pressure on it i think it's 32 and 34 and somebody comments and goes you've got that many miles on your bike and you have you can't remember your tire pressure and the truth is that's true i can't remember it um and if i have to think about it every time i want to check it it's just taking up memory or using my brain to think where I don't need to, if I can just write it down and it's right there. I know where it is. Yeah. I'll never remember what it is. You know, the next bike, it'll be something different. My other bike, it's something different. My car, it's something different. They're arbitrary numbers that I really don't need to store in my brain. And, um, and you know, um, 
and to have have in my front memory all the time. And so I don't, but I know how to use that. I know how to use, you know, the notes on my phone uh, all the time because I just won't remember. Um, and it's, you know, uh, I, I meet a lot of people and um, never mind, you know, remembering their names, but I've, I've been at rallies and shows where I've talked to somebody for an hour and had a great conversation. And the next day they'll come by and I'll introduce myself again and start talking to them again like it's the first time we met. And they'll just look at me and go, Paul, I was here yesterday for an hour. We talked about <laughs> and that. And, and I'm like, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, I'm going, I sort of remember this now that you're telling me. But like, if you asked me again tomorrow, I still wouldn't remember. And it's embarrassing it sometimes because people think you didn't care about the conversation or you weren't being um, um, genuine. And that's not the case. It's just, I can't remember. Uh, right. I, can, I can watch the same movie two weeks apart and at the end still be surprised that somebody dies at the end because I just don't remember that's how it ends. Um, bits and pieces I'll remember, but not, not the whole um, situation. Well, it's like, I mean, you talk about notes. I mean, I have, you know, in my tour pack of my Harley, I got this little black book because on my bike, I'm the second owner. The original owner was my dad. And so he has this little black book, you know, a little three by five book. And it has, you know, from day one, every service, you know, oil change done, tire pressure. I mean, all these notes, you flip the pages, you know, time you check the air filter, when you check spark plugs, what he gapped them out, why? I mean, the whole history of maintenance is in the little book. And I, when I got it almost four years ago, now I've, I've kept it up. So, you know, check my tire pressure, you know, write down tire pressures, what they're at, you know, my oil changes, my services, you know, tranny, the primary and same thing. So it's like, I mean, who can remember, you know, oh yeah, the 100,000, 400 blah, blah miles. I changed my oil. So I need to do it here. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to remember that. So it's a simple way. I mean, you know what I do is, you know, I keep up on all the records. So it's like, you know, it's time for an oil change. You know, look in the book, check my odometer. Oh, okay, you know, I should, you know, do that here within the next month. You know, about time, especially when I got a whole bunch of riding coming up. It's like, yeah, I'm going to – actually, I'm doing that this week. I got to change the tranny fluid and uh, do the oil change. But, you know, it's, that's how I, you know, remember that part because just for me, it's that's also a simple way. You know, some things that you're not going to remember the little things, you know, all these little numbers, and I don't either, and I keep that book, so – you know, I keep it up to date and it's just a way that I can remember, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, but not the same, but it's, it's how I, you know, remember some little things, you know, when do I need to do a service? What I got to do with here. And cause I, I do all my own maintenance. I do all my own services and, you know, do all the mechanical work on my bike, except when it breaks down 1300 miles from home and it's, I need some bigger tools than what I took with me. So I had to eat the bill once and take it to a dealership, but that's a whole nother ball game, another story, but you know, it's, it's how you remember things. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the mileage, it's it's an arbitrary number, and next next month it'll be something different. So, right. uh, yeah, it, that does not need to be stored in my long-term memory or even my short-term memory if I can just write it down. Uh, I do the same thing. I just use um, I just use a, a, a note, notes, and I have every oil change when it was done. So I can look and say, oh, shoot, it's been 10,000 miles. I should probably change the oil when I get home because I'm leaving for another 6,000-mile trip. Oh, when was the last time I did tires? Okay, I'm going to need tires because they, you know, um, 
or I need to order tires and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll put all that down. Um, send myself a note when you get home, remind yourself to order tires. And, um, cause 10 minutes later, I'll forget that. And it won't be till I get home, realize I never ordered the tires. And, um, but yeah, using, I use, um, voice recorder a lot when I'm writing. <clears throat> um, I write for a magazine called ability. Um, it's, uh, it's a magazine that, that, ta- that, um, features, um, celebrities mostly, um, that, uh, either, either, um, have somebody in their family with disability or have a disability themselves and how they've overcome it and that type of thing. Um, but I, a lot of the times I write my column while I'm riding and I'm just taking down notes and I just speak into my recorder and record all kinds of stupid stuff that comes in my head. A lot of my, um, I've done a few stupid, um, fundraisers and uh, a lot of those have come from just crazy thoughts I've had, uh, while riding, um, <clears throat> Well, it's like when you, you open up your website, you know, longhaulpaul.com. I was once told the cure for MS was a million miles away, so I thought I would just go get it and bring it back. I mean, that is an, an awesome, inspiring quote, and it's, you know, I, it's one of those things sometimes it's hard to, you can read it, but put your thoughts and, you know, emotions into words when you read something like that and and then look at the fact that, you've ridden over a million miles and you're still going. It's like, you know, when we talked the other day, I got the rolling ticker on the bottom, you know, you're over 1.5 million documented miles and you're still going. It's yeah, absolutely I mean, amazing. I mean, uh, my, my goal with a million miles um, is, is all documented going to um, either. I started off um, being an MS advocate for patients and um, I was hired by a couple of the different, uh, pharmaceutical companies that manufacture the medications that slow the progression of disease. At the time I was diagnosed, there were three all injectable medications. I had to give myself an injection every single day for seven years. Um, but I became a, uh, an advocate and um, sort of a um, inspirational um, patient speaker. And um, the, the pharmaceutical company said, we'd love to have you speak at, at some of our events. Uh, we're trying to get, you know, patients to learn that there are, there are choices out there and different options and there's ways to treat the disease where 10 years earlier there was no medications at all. So trying to get the word out and also letting people know that, um, you know, the disease can be very devastating. It can be very debilitating for a lot of people. And but yet there are today there are a lot more people that look like me that have had the disease for, for a decade or more and are still functioning okay. Their legs are still working. They're still walking without a cane or a walk or a wheelchair. There are, you know, more people today that, that where the disease is being managed pretty well. I'm not saying everybody's like me. There's quite a few people I know who uh, were diagnosed and within a year's time, um, you know, they lost mobility or they've lost the feeling in half their body or they've they've had some serious issues with vision and um, uh, hearing and, and speaking and all kinds of things. The, the disease can be very, very progressive um, to, to a lot of people. So, so, you know, not everybody who has MS can get out and ride a motorcycle. I know that I'm lucky and I know that uh, my course of the disease has been quite manageable compared to many others. So, you know, I don't want to ever, ever uh, discredit that. But, um, but 25 years ago, 
certainly within five to 10 years of getting diagnosed, you'd be in a wheelchair. And today that is definitely not the case. Um, the majority of people are doing okay. Um, our, our, when we have a relapse or when we have an attack, um, it's, it's a lot less frequent because of the, the medications. And um, we're, we're tolerating the different medications because there's now like 27, 24, 27 different options available for, for treatment um, that'll fit in people's lifestyle. So for me, I took, a, I took the injection and I took a pill for the next seven years, um, twice a day pill, which, you know, basically the worst it did to me was give me bad stomach aches and stuff like that. But it did slow the progression of disease to the point where um, I don't have any um, additional um, symptoms or, or well, they didn't good. get worse. And I, you know, knock on wood, progress. Uh, at my age, um, the disease tends to kind of uh, wean off a bit for some people. And I'm hoping that's my case. Um, but I also know that, and this is part of what my, my presentation to patients is, um, you know, I am not MS. This is, this is not the face of MS. You know, when you, when you look MS up in the dictionary, you're not going to see my face. I, um, I'm a man, I'm a father, I'm a husband. Um, I'm a avid motorcyclist. Uh, first, you know, and I happen to have MS, you know, so um, I tell patients to find something that you love to do in life and to make it more important than your disease. And that's what I did with writing. I started writing. It's now been 11 years since I made that uh, um, that point that I was going to ride a million miles, start at zero and just document miles going to MS events. So every mile of, of that I've documented in this quest has been going to either speak to patients, going to fundraisers, or now I travel with um, Yamaha has been my greatest supporter and they've really stepped up and, and backed me and they invite me to every national event they're at. So I can, I was at all the international motorcycle shows, every single one of them, I was there with my bike and Yamaha, you know, paid my expenses to get there. And that is uh, absolutely awesome. They, they have really, you know, cause I, I'm not some big multi-million dollar YouTube subscriber, which reminds me, feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel. <laughs> long haul <laughs> Paul. Check long haul Paul. Yep. That's uh, uh, Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. Um, but I'm not some huge YouTuber, uh, you know, type of thing. And, um, so, so they're, you know, they're not seeing these, these huge numbers by that, by supporting me. They're doing it because they learned about what I was doing. I was riding a Yamaha when I started and they said, you know what? He needs our help. He's, you know, he's doing something great. He's riding the shit out of our motorcycles and um, they're not really happy about my maintenance routines. But, you know, you, when you show up at, a, at an event with a motorcycle and you just rode through six hours of snow to get there and the bike's covered in salt from New England and uh, and and people are just amazed. It's a year old bike with 100,000 miles on it. And they just, you know, they're like, that he's selling bikes for us. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're riding for a cause. You're riding for a mission. You're riding for a purpose. I mean, th there's so many of us that, you know, it's a hobby, but you've taken a hobby, you've taken a passion you have, and you've 
turn that into a cause and it's uh it's inspiring i mean for me you know it's like how i've you know came into you know mile monsters riding doing something i love and riding for you know helping out with mile monsters and for the boys with duchenne's muscular dystrophy taking something that i can enjoy and do it for a greater good and you know you've been doing that for years and it's you know it says a lot i mean especially you know when like you're talking you know how far you push your bikes how far you ride what you do you know you're doing this for a reason it's not i mean yeah you love motorcycles you enjoy it and but it's you're doing it for so many awesome reasons and to help so many people besides yourself spread the awareness you know and and talk about it like you don't have to get ms and just all of a sudden forget about life you can still go on you can still have a life yes it's, it might be more difficult you know judging by you know the stories you're talking about but you're doing something to help so many other people and it's awesome i think i think what you're doing is absolutely amazing well thank you i mean you know i, I really did find um a way to to meld my my passion with a purpose and um you know i I, I knew that motorcycling saved me um, from going to prison or becoming an alcoholic or, or whatever during my divorce and, 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 you know, custody ordeal, which was uh, 10 years. Um, I knew that the riding is what saved me every single time that I felt like it was the end or I was going to just walk away or it was not worth the fight. Um I'd get on that bike and I would ride until I felt like I could turn around and go back and face another day. And with the MS, once I started riding again and, and, and taking long trips, I realized that when I got on that bike and, and get into that zone, um, none of my MS symptoms bothered me. Uh, I just, I, I, I rode all day and I wasn't sore and I wasn't tired and my brain doesn't have to think much when I'm riding because uh, you get into this state of like a, a motorcycle mindfulness. And all I'm thinking about is the is what's going on right then and now and what's around me. And I'm not thinking about problems at home or the bills or, or anything else. I'm literally just in the moment. And so my brain is relaxed. And so, you know, the cognitive... Uh, fatigue that I get every day, I don't get on the motorcycle and I don't get it even after like an 18 hour day on the bike. I just rode, uh, uh, I was in, um, I was in, um, somewhere far away, <laughs> the Southwest. What's next to Texas, New Mexico. Uh, Arizona. Uh, Arizona. I was in Arizona on Sunday, um, and uh, I rode. I left the uh, the event about two two thirty Sunday, and I was home in New Hampshire um, Tuesday evening. So twenty seven hundred miles in two and a half days. Um, I That's did five five hundred miles, and I did eleven fifty or so, and then another eleven fifty um, on uh, just. Uh, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, Tuesday. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, it's a long day. 1150 miles is a long day. And yes, um, 
but I, but I wasn't, I mean, you're tired when you get home and stuff, but I wasn't extremely fatigued. Um, and that's because the riding is just, it's therapy for me. I, I, uh, I trademarked the term moto medicine and the medicinal use of riding. And I just, I, I, I really believe that riding motorcycles can be medicinal. And I really think that the past 10 years that I've been on the bike riding for MS, I'm doing, I'm doing something, you know, that I feel is worthwhile. I'm, I'm helping people. I'm reaching out to newly diagnosed. Uh, I'm raising money and, um, I mean, I'm having fun too, but I'm doing what I love and it's helping people. And I really believe that that's a huge part of treating my MS. I mean, I, I had my doctor write me a prescription to ride my motorcycle. <laughs> hey, why not? And it's like you said earlier, you know, we, we talked about the phrase two wheel therapy. I mean, even, you know, myself sometimes, you know, I mean, I drive truck for a living. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a truck for anywhere from 11 to 14 plus hours a day. And there's some days, you know, where fighting traffic and dealing with retards on the road. It's like, you just gotta, you know, I gotta clear my head. And there'd be times like, you know, I don't have sometimes have a lot of time in the evening just because the hours I work, it's like, I just got to go get out. And there've been times like I might only rode 10 miles. It could have been 15, but just that little bit of time, you know, hit a couple little back, you know, back country roads, do a little loop and come back home and can feel refreshed and just it's a way, you know, I've always been able to, a way to clear my head. It's like, you just get on, get on the bike, get in the wind and just enjoy some time behind the bars. And it's like, okay, you can come home and you have that smile on your face. Like, ah, oh, all right, I, I'm better now. And there've been, you know, many times, you know, my bike has also been a great therapeutic for me. I mean, I've ridden since I was, you know, I started on dirt. I've ridden since I was young, but it's always been also a way that a guy can relieve stress or you got something going in your life. You just need to clear your head. My motorcycle has always also been that for me. And it's, you know, a great therapy. It really is, you know, and, and, and I'll argue with anybody, but I think the more miles and time you spend riding, the safer uh, you are, you know, you, you're getting experience every time you're out there. And um, yep. I, I, I think, I, I, I tell you what, I'm pretty scary in a car because um, I don't, I hardly ever drive. Um, I do, I do have a car. It's about 17, 18 years old, beat up car. I think I got 500 bucks about eight years ago. Um, and it just sits in the yard and I just have to replace the calipers every year because they corrode because it just sits there. Um, <laughs> if I go to Walmart or, or the gym or something or take the dog to the park, I use the car. Other than that, um, you know, I'm on, I'm on two wheels and, and I'm traveling. I mean, I don't, I hardly ever go out for a little day ride or anything because, um, I'm going 10, 15 days at a time. And, uh, when I get home, I'm not about to tell my wife, Oh yeah, I'm just going to go out for the day on the bike again. So, you know, all the miles are on the bikes are, are basic work miles. They're going to events and that's what I want. That's what I want to record my, my million miles. If, if I, you know, I could get up every morning, ride 200 miles, uh, do a big loop, and I'd be done the million miles by now. That was never my intent. My intent was that the miles were all uh, raising awareness or raising money for MS. And and um, I think I'm at, I'm close to 600,000, maybe 570 or 80,000. I, I 
haven't added up the, the last little bit yet, but, um, uh, but it's been going on 11 years now. So I've been on the road quite a bit. Um, this is all I do. I, I don't have a, a day job. This is my, my whole, um, kit and caboodle. Um, I do, uh, um, I'm not a charity. I raise money for a charity. I have a charity I work with that I've been, um, raising money for, uh, the last, <clears throat> five or six years now, MS Views and News, and they put on uh, patient educational programs all over the United States um, in underserved communities uh, in rural America, and uh, really important information to get out to these patients. Um, some of them have no idea that there's even medications today for MS, um, but also newly diagnosed that need to know the importance of getting on treatment right away. Um, and then also there's other, you know, aspects of, um, of the disease, treating the whole body, your, your diet and your, your exercise routine and, um, supplements and all that kind of stuff is all very important as, as well as mental health. Um, and all those things right. get taken care of through, uh, through MS centers <clears throat> and just getting, getting patients the education they need. So, um, I do silly fundraisers and, uh, I do some serious stuff too. I, Every year I put on an event called the MS 5000 and it's like the MS walk. So you sign up and you pledge to ride uh, your motorcycle as many miles as you can uh, from September 1st through October 20th. It's 50 days. So 50 days for MS and you ask your family and friends to donate whatever they can in your name. And you get so many points for every mile that you pile on during those days and uh, so many points for every dollar you raise. And so person with the most points gets the trophy and, and all that type of thing. And uh, it's a ride you do on your own. And, and uh, every year the MS 5000 is uh, gets about 50 riders. I'd like to see that number up to 100 or 150 or 200. Um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's 30 bucks to enter. You get a T-shirt and sticker and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, whether you can ride the miles or not, you know, hopefully you can raise some money and, and uh, it, uh, it's all going 100% to the, the charity I work with. Uh, the, um, the, we'll have um, to talk about that later. I, I, that can be fun. I, I have some stuff in September where uh, I'm going to be doing some miles. So we'll definitely talk there. I, I would like to, to help out how we can. And I know, you know maybe get a few other guys and get on board. And you know, yeah. add a few yeah, more dollars for the, the pie. This year's the um, this year will be the tenth year anniversary of the MS five thousand. So, um, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. the The Iron Butt Association also does a Saddle Show one thousand, which is the usually the first ride that people do when they join the Iron Butt uh, mm -hmm. Association. But you can actually do a uh, MS one uh, um, Saddle Show one thousand in the name of MS. It's called the MS one thousand. And it's the same price, I believe, or maybe it's a couple bucks more than the regular uh, MS um, Saddle Show 1000 certificate. Well worth it. But um, they donate $50 to the charity I work with in my name. So That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They've been really good to work with. And um, they've also, uh, the Iron Butt has also recognized um, a few of my um, – stupid world records that I've done for, uh, for stupid human trick, uh, charity world records. Um, they've recognized those, which are really cool. Uh, 
let's see. If, if you do want to support me personally, um, I do have a Patreon account, which is uh, kind of a tip jar for for uh, YouTube creators where you can pay 5 or $10 a month. And uh, it's an automatic payment out of your checking or whatever. And it's just like a tip jar. And it helps uh, put gas in my bike. Uh, it helps me with a lot of the travel expenses that I incur. Um, as I said, you know, Yamaha has been helping out. But um, I do a lot more traveling than just to the Yamaha events. I do a lot of charity rides and things like that where all the expenses and hotels and all that stuff comes out of my pocket. So that, um, that adds up quickly, too. It does. My my toll my my transponder for the year is usually two or three thousand dollars in tolls um, on the motorcycle, which is which is pretty crazy because it's not like I'm going through a toll every day. This is just going across, going out west, uh, across ninety, or going south to to Florida. All the tolls through New Jersey and and New York. And, That's what uh, sucks. You guys on the East Coast got all them freaking toll roads, and it's like you know I you know have it, the the goal of doing like the forty eight and ten and some other stuff. And it's like. Fuck that! I had all them toll roads to figure out. You know how to deal with all I think, that stuff. I think it's seventeen dollars to go across the George Washington Bridge now. Seventeen bucks across a bridge. Let me tell you, whatever you do, you don't want to put your foot down because there's huge crater potholes across that whole bridge. They should at least repave it for the price you're paying to go over it. That is insane. <laughs> seventeen bucks. It's so, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. Although if you drive really close to the car in front of you, sometimes they get charged for a trailer. <laughs> Man, there you go. See, <laughs> we have one toll bridge here in Western Washington, the Tacoma Narrows, and it's got cameras. So what it does is it will, if you don't go through the toll booth, you can go, you know, down the highway, but they got all these little cameras in the section that'll take pictures of your license plate. Well, my tour pack, my license plate is so high up underneath my tour pack on my Harley. It can't see it. I've gone over that bridge. Fuck, I can't even tell you how many times, and I've never once gotten a bill on my motorcycle. That's that's good. I um, funny story about. I have two funny stories about toll. Easy. Uh, we we call it Easy Pass here in New England. But um, my uh, I don't know if you know, but I have one of my Yamahas. Uh, I have a Super Tenere. My first Super Tenere that I I rode for the million miles. Uh, I set a world record on it, and the next day it it decided it was never going to run again. Um, <laughs> so that bike was donated and it's actually down at the Barber Motorsports Museum uh, oh, on display. Shit. Yep. It's one of the only motorcycles in the entire um, museum that doesn't quite run and it's filthy dirty. Just looks the exact way the day that I, I rode it, the day that I uh, set the world record and, and, uh, uh, and they picked it up. Um, anyway, that bike um, its last day was in Utah and it, um, it got picked up by Hall Bikes, uh, 1-800 Hall Bikes. They, um, they donated the, um, the cost of, of picking up the bike and they picked it up in Utah and brought it to, uh, down to, um, Alabama to the museum. And about three months later, I got noticed in my, uh, my easy pass that they're increasing my monthly amount to like $700 a month. And so I'm like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Why would they do that? And they said, well, it's because of all the tolls. And I finally ran through all the toll stuff and I realized 
that my Easy Pass was still on the windshield of that motorcycle when it was <laughs> in the back of an 18 wheeler, and I was charged an 18 wheeler's price across the entire United States in every toll booth, and it was hundreds of dollars oh, <laughs> in tolls. And so I call my uh, the New Hampshire toll thing, and they say. Well, we, we don't care, and there's nothing we can do about it because it's from all these states. They says you have to write to every single state and explain what happened. And I'll get I tell you right now, it's been more than 30 days. They won't even change it. You're screwed. That's what they told me. <laughs> oh, damn. So if you have bikes ever towed somewhere, take your damn easy pass off and throw it in the woods or something because you don't want to be charged for an 18 wheeler price. <laughs> yeah. That's probably that, that. That's a lot more. Yeah. <clears throat> What's that? Like 87 axles or something. Um, <laughs> I borrowed a bike. Um, I had a, I had a clutch problem on a motorcycle and I was in uh, Virginia at a rally and there's somebody from Rhode Island there and said, Hey Paul, if you want take our bike, we put it on the trailer and, and bringing it back to Rhode Island, but take, it was a KLR uh, Kawasaki, take the KLR home and we'll, we'll bring your bike back to Rhode Island. You can pick it up um, on your way or whatever. And uh, so I did, I took the KLR and I drove it, you know, right up 95 through all of, you know, there's like 87 toll booths in New Jersey and then New York, uh, nothing in Connecticut. Um, and then, uh, I didn't hit any mass because of I was going to Rhode Island. But anyway, I show up and uh, you know I thank him very much and I said I said oh by the way I said I I don't know where your Easy Pass is on this bike because I think a couple of times it made the buzzer go off and everything and he says Paul we don't have Easy Pass <laughs> so I went through every single toll booth and this was back before they took the pictures and just sent it in the mail. This is back when they they would fine you like big bucks for going through a toll booth without paying at the, with it, you know, when they used to have the people there, so, <laughs> he says, we don't have easy pass. I go, Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sucks to I'm, you. I'm used to just blowing through, you know, cause I've got the pass. So yeah, that was funny. Oh, good that's sports. good stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, shit happens. Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I don't even stop for him. Um, I, where was I? Uh, there were some toll booths in Arizona or um, not Texas. Maybe it was, uh, what was um, Oklahoma. I think it was in Oklahoma. I was on some some uh, highway that had a couple of toll booths. And uh, they don't take the New England Easy Pass, but I don't care. I'm not, I'm not stopping at a toll booth. I ride right through and you can mail me anything. You can chase me if you want, whatever. But... Um, I ain't stopping and, 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 uh, it's too dangerous and, and, uh, you know, everybody should be running the same, the ability to check my easy pass anyway. So it's just not worth it. Catch me yeah, if you can. Yeah, get on the same page. Well, actually, I think that the, uh, Congress, our wonderful Congress is about to, they're going on vacation as they shut down the debt ceiling, whatever. But anyway, um, sorry. Uh, our Congress uh, made a law <clears throat> that all the states had to be using the same transponder service by, I think it was 2016. So as far as I'm concerned, 
Congress said they're supposed to be able to accept my easy pass, then they should accept it. And if they don't, tough. Nah. Yep. Have a nice day. Yeah. So I know coming up in June, you're gonna actually you're gonna be up here in Washington in a few weeks. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, next week, I'm heading out to the Americade Rally in Lake George, and then um, I think I'm home a couple of days, maybe a week, and then I'm heading out to um the Touratech Rally in um, Blaine, Washington. I think it's actually, Blaine. Uh, no, uh, Leavenworth. Leavenworth is where I'm staying. I think the, the actual rally is in Blaine. Um, okay. I thought Camp I was reading on the website. I thought it was, I thought it was oh, Leavenworth. It's the same. It's right there. It's right in that area. Um, well, it's, you know, you're Leavenworth to Blaine, I don't know, five hours, four hours, something. No, 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 no. Blaine, maybe it's something else. Somewhere in Washington, I'm going to the Touratech rally. My GPS will get me there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, last year I went, it was our first year going, and uh, it was cool because I took an extra day, and I actually went up uh, from New Hampshire to up into Montreal, crossed over the Great Lakes, the other side of uh, Lake Superior, which I got to I gotta admit, I don't know who called it a lake, a lake, it's actually, it's an ocean, because you can't see the <laughs> other side, and there's everything but clam shacks all around there, lobster, you know, I think it's an ocean, but anyway, uh, the other side Lake Superior, and then all across Canada up into um, a couple of the national parks up there um, in Canada. Uh, Icefields Parkway goes up to Jasper. and uh, That's a beautiful area up there. Oh, it, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was, I mean, I was only up there for like half a day and then had to come back down into the States, but... Um, yeah, I got some incredible footage and, you know, I got a bear running across the road in front of me. And it was, it was, uh, it was about 36, 37 degrees and raining. And I had a smile on the whole time. It was just, the, the scenery is incredible. Um, Banff National Park. That's, that's the other one. Just that, uh, that's on my bucket. Yeah. You'll be up in oh Leavenworth. Oh my God. It's just beautiful. Beautiful. So um, Leavenworth is a beautiful area. Cause yeah, that's where they're doing stuff all through the Cascades and up in Leavenworth. Yeah, so I I, uh, I might do that again. I'm not sure. Um, might be a little bit cutting a little bit close. Uh, I said come home from that, and then August is uh, Sturgis. I'm out there for ten days, um, and I think there's another rally somewhere in Virginia. Uh, so it's yeah, it's crisscrossing back and forth. Um, those are that's how I put on the miles is, is going to those events. And when I'm at those events, I mean I'm working. I'm I'm there at the Yamaha demo truck. Um, not only am I the uh, you know celebrity on staff, whatever you want to call me, I'm the fix-it guy. So <laughs> let's see, what did I do uh, last week? I I, um, I mounted a tire uh, on a rim. We had a we had a bad uh, somebody got a flat, and so we replaced the tube inside a tire. Um, so I'm the guy who broke down the the rim and tire and all that. Um, I do a lot of chain maintenance. I replace a lot of broken clutch levers and things when people drop the demo bike. So um, I'm also a, a tech guy on site, but I'm also there just to talk to people about um, what I'm doing, pass out my brochures, uh, tell people how they can follow me on, on social media and how it helps me grow my grow my um, grow my um, support, corporate support. Um, 
uh, I've got great support. Like I said, Yamaha has been, been awesome. Uh, they've donated the last three bikes. Uh, I have a bike in my garage, a brand new Yamaha Tracer 9 GT, which is their sport touring triple. Um, incredible machine. Way too fast. Right. For, way too fast for me. But um, they donated to me. They gave it to me Christmas. It, it rolled down my driveway. It's still in the crate. Um, I put it together, and I've added about $5,000 in accessories. Uh, it's fully loaded, decked out, long-distance touring rider, uh, custom seat, custom bags. Um, it's got Dang. a built radar detector. It's got um, clear water lights on it. It is, it is set to go. And um, I'm actually going to be raffling it off before I beat the snot out of it like I do everything else. So it's, oh, pretty, it's pretty much. I just did the first oil change today, 600-mile oil change. Um, it'll have 1,000 miles on it maybe, you know, when the raffle starts. And um, it's going to be a, a quick raffle. It'll be probably um, uh, 300 tickets only and uh, 100 bucks a ticket with um, all the proceeds going to the charity I work with. And uh, just like all my other raffles, you know, whoever wins the, the bike the next day, I drive it to their house. I don't care where they live. <laughs> I just That's asked awful. to give me a ride. Give me a ride to the airport afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah we'll, that, we'll have to try to keep in touch when you're when you're in Leavenworth. I'll have to say something. It'd be really cool, you know, even if we could meet up for 10, 15 minutes or something, you know, say hi in person and whatnot. Because, I mean, really, it's not far from my house. And that weekend you're there, I have some buddies from Wyoming that are going to be here. And we're going to be riding all over western Washington and, and all through. I'm going to be showing them all kinds of areas. And. Yeah, if something worked out, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, we're I mean, we're we're there, you know, the regular show hours, probably like, you know, nine to five or something, and then we, we head back to our hotel or go out to dinner or something. So, you know, I'd be able to we'd be able to hook up and, and then hang out and uh shoot the shit. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Have a verb and a kickback, yeah. <laughs> no, this has been cool, man. I you know it's you know, following you and, and whatnot, you know, like like I said, you know, I, myself and Go Home Ken, we had, you know, quite the long conversation about, you know, all your adventures and whatnot. And, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed hearing your story. And, you know, I, it's like I tell everybody, you know, you keep doing this, you know, you progress, you're doing stuff. Man, everybody's always welcome to come back on, you know, talk about the next adventure, what they got going on or anything, you know, coming up where, you know, like what you're doing, you know, you're you're trying to raise awareness and, and raise stuff for a cause and, and a greater good. And, Man, you're always welcome to come back and share stuff or, you know, pitch whatever you got going on because this has been, this has been, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun, man. And I thank you. I thank you too. And, I, you know, I appreciate the motorcycle community is, is really the most incredible giving community. Um, you know, so, so many people are afraid of, you know, us, our, our, us badass bikers, but you, like you talk about Ken and Mile Monsters and, you know, if you're if you're in a if you're in a dark parking lot and you see those guys pull up, you're probably going to cringe a little bit. But um, they're all teddy bears. You know, they're, they're just they're just great guys. I've I've met those guys um, uh, quite a few times, and 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 Ken Andrews in particular. Um, I poke so much fun at him before I think I even met him in person. We were we we had hit it off, and we were busting each other's you know chops on Facebook, and then privately we're messaging each other, saying, seeing how far we can push till we get kicked off the, the Facebook group or something. <laughs> and we're both just laughing and laughing and, and poking fun at each other. And um, 
I, I, I've done a couple of big presentations for the Iron Butt, some of their um, big dinners and things. They've asked me to speak, and I and I put together some some pretty interesting um, um, presentations. And you there know, there you I, go. I, oh, it's all blurry. You can't tell. Oh, damn, Cameron. Yeah, there's me and Ken. We're in South Dakota. Oh, very cool. In fact, yeah, I, I was um, texting Ken just the other day because I was passing through um, Little Rock on uh, Monday. And, I, and I'm like, hey, Ken, you at work? Because I've been to his work. I'm like, you at work? I'll come take you out. I think his birthday was last week. I says, I'll take you out for birthday. He says, Paul, I'm working. I can't, I can't go. I said, all right, well, it's your loss. Um, next time <laughs> I blow through, I'll, I, I owe you a beer. But um, yeah, he, he's a great guy. And what those guys oh, are doing, cool guy. you know, what those guys at Hopper and, 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 um, and Riot, I mean, what they're doing right now is just amazing. And I hope people know. Um, I, I uh, be my last real job where I actually got one of them pieces of paper at the end of the week, um, <laughs> paper. and one at the end of the year um, uh, was seven years ago, I believe. And I worked um, because I knew I had MS myself. I I I, I um, started working on. Um, doing customizing of high power wheelchairs. And so I worked with, um, in New Hampshire, some of the, some of the most, the very disabled, um, uh, handicapped people in, in dire straits, um, not the rich people and, uh, the people that were, that were, you know, um, in government housing and stuff that didn't have anything. And, and we built them chairs and we built them, um, devices and things so that they could just function in their in their apartments in 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 life and um i got to meet some incredible heroes um struggling every day with simple tasks like pushing an elevator button um and figuring out a way that we can make uh, a gentleman who can do almost everything else himself but can't reach that button from his wheelchair how to do it so he doesn't have to call the front desk at his at his building to come and open the the door for him every time and things like that. Um, it's a lot like farkling a motorcycle. It's a lot like adding accessories. And that's what I did on wheelchairs. And it was incredible, but I got to really, it, was, it humbled me to see what these people uh, go through that are really struggling with, with um, physical um, challenges and, and seeing what the, um, you know, Raya and his crew are doing with um, mile monsters. And right now they're, you know, they're doing this, um, hundred days, hundred thousand mile thing, and it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, I I go June seventeenth is my day. I'll go. And awesome, awesome. And I mean, I do my thousand plus. I I don't know. I didn't know where I was going to be, so I didn't I didn't offer. But I have told Jeff if if he gets stuck or he needs a rider that I'm often on the road, and when I'm on the road, I'm doing a thousand anyway, almost every time I'm I'm traveling. So uh, you know, hook me up, and I'll I'll. I'll try to, you know, post and try to grow some money even in, in 24 hours, see how much money I can raise. Um, I don't mind helping out uh, in that way or uh, any other way, helping promote what they're doing because, you know, um, just like me, they're out doing something for, for a good cause. But, um, you know, they, they've they've chosen particular kids and that's just, it's just incredible. It's it's a great story. Um, what they're doing is incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I was just watching um, on my ride home. I was a little bored. I was watching some of uh, Jeff's latest posts and things and <clears throat> learned a little bit more about some of the kids and stuff. And, and um, uh, it, it's, 
it really pulls at your heart. And, and, uh, these kids, what they go through, exactly. Uh, I, I, you know, MS is nothing compared to what, what these kids are going through. Or my MS anyway, you know, is, is, is nothing. And, and, um, you know, so, so that, that's awesome. And, and I hope people are tuning in. I hope people are sponsor, are sending their tens and $20, $50, whatever to, um, to their favorite rider, or even just to, you know, a group of riders because, um, it isn't easy to ride a thousand miles, like like Jeff was no, saying. It, yes, you know we forget, we forget because it's what I do for a living. I, I ride a motorcycle for a living, and I don't expect anyone else to do what I do because this is this is what I do. You know, I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. Uh, I'm 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 not a I'm not a golfer. I'm, I'm not, I don't do anything else. This is what I do. So um, I do well, make it, but it doesn't. And it, the cool it, thing with Mile Monsters is is how it's grown in the short amount of time since he started this, you know, adventure, you know, kind of put it is now he's actually taking on a couple more boys and it's, you know, the, it's really catch on more riders. Everybody's coming on board because it, it's a great cause. And, you know, somebody is, is myself looking back, you know, I mean, uh, as a parent, I mean, I, my, with my daughter, she had, a, you know, love playing sports, playing volleyball, soccer, showed horses, both my boys, you know, played baseball my middle son he you know played college ball and now they're both actually coaching baseball my older son is now coaching high school ball my younger son since he finished he went through you know playing all the summer ball times up till he was 19 now he's coaching junior babe ruth baseball and to see them give back is awesome but it, i you know you you flip the the string so to speak and as a parent you know these other boys you know with his duchens and it's like Wow, I, it just makes you feel more gifted. It's like you know, my you see the life that your own kids have, and then you see these other boys, and it's like it's it's not fair. I you know there's so many yeah, other but, ways. But uh, I think that's the most polite way that it's it sucks. And so for me, it's like if if I can help, you know, I with the Monster 100, I started last year my own ride with Mile Monster called Monsters Over Mountains, and we'll be doing that again here last in the end of August. We're gonna take off where. Last year, we zigzagged all the Cascade Passes in Washington down to Mount Hood in Oregon, and we did, what, 1550 in under 36 hours? And we'll be – I got a kind of a cool route put together for this year. We'll do another, you know, roughly around 1,600 miles with the goal of hitting it in under 36 hours for the, you know, the bun burner. But if I can help, you know, by doing something I enjoy and, and help, you know, raise awareness and also, you know, help these boys and – Man, I, I'm all for it. I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great cause. And in fact, they're they're, they're finishing their ride in uh, Sturgis. Yeah. And I'll be there, and I'll I'll be I'll I hopefully we can hook up. I'll try to figure out where they're going to be. And uh, yeah, I'd I'll be there be too. There. I'll have, I, you know I don't know if I'm going to be at uh, well Yamaha is going to be in two locations this year, I believe. So. Um, yeah, I'll be over there with Wild Ass, and I know they have two locations set up. So I'll, my wife and I will be working at those. But then, yeah, we'll take off to meet on Friday. Hopefully the plan is when I was talking to Craig to meet Hopper with how many other, other people come in and ride the last 100 mile of his leg. And is it on the Friday? Into, Did you say it's yes. a Friday? Yeah, the, August 11th. I got to write it down. I know I shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'll finish August 11th, and it, it will finish at uh, exit 55 at Black Hills Harley Davidson. Ah, uh, I might. Um, 
I'm actually doing a presentation at um, Aristich in Duluth, Minnesota. I think it's on the, if that's the second Friday of Sturgis. Because Sturgis is a whole, like, uh, 10 days or something. Anyway, well, I'll look it up. But um, if, if yeah. I can be there, I'm, I'm definitely going to be there. Um, um, and I'm going to throw some bucks to a couple of the riders that I uh, that I know um, personally. And um, But, yeah, it, it's a great cause. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, the motorcycle community, um, I've raised over $300,000 now for MS Charity. And, That's awesome. Um, uh, not a penny of that would have happened without people joining my fundraisers or following what I'm doing. And, and so it's all because of um, motorcyclists. You know, sure, I have some family and friends that follow me and actually some people with MS who follow me and stuff. But the majority of people who do my fundraisers and things, they're all motorcycle related. It's motorcycle community. And, and um, the motorcycle community as a whole is an amazing community. Even, I mean, from the times I was young, even with you know, when I was doing hill climbing and, and whatnot, doing dirt, it's it's like a family. And even, you know, as I've done this, getting to know a lot of the people, other riders, you know, the YouTube community, the social media, and and with everybody that I've had, you know, and I, I probably say it every episode, but that's the best reward of this. I'm here. We're milepost 102. I don't call them episodes because, you know, us motorcycle riders, we're always chasing those elusive mileposts, and it just seemed an awesome fit. And to the best part is the relationship and the friendship that I made with 102 people is awesome. And, you know, sadly the very first guest we had, we lost him almost two years ago to COVID, which was Leo McElrath. He's the only one. And we memorized, you know, made a memorial podcast, which I re-aired his original one. And I think that was 37 became the veterans Memorial highway. But, you know, it's it's been an amazing ride, and you know, I don't plan on quitting this anytime soon because it's what I love doing, it's what I enjoy, and this is just a, a bonus of riding. Uh, all the people I get to meet within the community and and the friends I get to make, and you know, I'm honored for you taking time out and coming to hang out and, and sharing your story and, and and help sharing your story, and we'll get it out there even more. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's um. It's, it's a small world and, um, you know, motorcycling is even smaller part of it. But, but like you said, the community is strong and when people get to get to know others and, and learn their story and what their deal is. And, uh, when you find others like myself out there riding for a cause and, you know, and it's legit cause and, uh, you know, people, it's funny. I, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't present myself as I'm an MS patient. Uh, I'll talk to somebody for an hour I'm on the side of my motorcycle under the Yamaha tent and about MS and raising money and this and that. And then they might see something in my brochure and go, wait a minute, you have MS? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you know, and because they, they'll say, so tell me, you know, is there somebody in your family? Is it personal? How did you know? Why are you doing this for MS? I go, oh, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I, I have MS and I'm like, Oh, Oh, wow. You know, and it's always, well, you look so good, but, um, you know, that that's, yeah, you do look so good, but it doesn't always mean the inside is, uh, <laughs> it's the same. Hard. but, but, but yeah. Um, cause it, cause it isn't, you know, it's not how I introduce myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a motorcyclist. I'm a, I'm an avid motorcyclist. I love riding. I would rather ride in the rain and snow, 
um, than fly anywhere or drive a car. It's wow. just, Amen. Um, it's moto medicine. It really is. Yep. I, I love that. And man, that that's a, you know, I, I think a great way to end it is it, that is a great hashtag and a great way to put together kind of what we do is, you know, it, it goes right along with the whole two wheel therapy is it, it's moto medicine. It cures our soul and, and helps us heal from issues we have going on and, and what's going on in the lives. So Paul, thank you so much for coming on tonight and, and hanging out and, and sharing your story. And we'll put all the links below, you know, down in the, in the description so people can check out all your pages and, and what you have going on and, and follow along the adventure and, you know, throw in their mocha money, hopefully. All right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great. And, um, yeah. Um, uh, like share or follow or get the hell out of the way. Cause I'm on a million mile journey. <laughs> chasing the cure. <laughs> there you go, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in, man. Have fun, ride safe, enjoy the open road. And we will catch you a mile post one Oh three is we're past one or two and we're, we're cruising down the road. Paul, thank you so much. You guys all have a good night and we'll catch you soon.